Hello and welcome to another episode of Mallow Street Talks. I'm Amy Hollywood and today I am joined by Sam Seaton, the CEO of Money Hub. In this episode, me and Sam discuss women in fintech. We take a look at a very male-dominated industry, looking at why that is and discussing accessibility to this industry for other women. We look also at Sam's own journey to becoming CEO of Money Hub and how she is also trying to open doors for other women like her. We also take a look at diversity inclusion, its importance to the workplace, and not only looking in the past of why this industry is so male-dominated, but also having a look to the future of what our hopes and dreams are for not just this industry, but the world of work in general, discussing flexible working hours and how men and women can both have a better working environment. Hello, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, really good. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and just speak a little bit about women in fintech. And I think it's a discussion that has been had. We've been talking about it. Everyone's been talking about it. And um, it would be brilliant just to hear you know, some of your thoughts. And I would just love to start off with just hearing about your experience, especially being CEO of Money Hub, which is an amazing achievement. Kind of how has your journey been in your career and, and your experience of being a woman in a male-dominated industry? Yeah, so I guess um, I guess I have to start with um, probably you know being very fortunate to have um, I think my parents who who genuinely never really made me feel that there was there was anything that I couldn't achieve. So I think you know I've got my parents to, to probably be very grateful for for a for a, a, a good start in terms of. I just never ever had the sense growing up that anything I wanted to do you know you know you can do it and it it didn't really matter whether it was being you know doing gymnastics school you know it it really was and the same for my brother actually so um, I think that's that's a a privilege I had as a child which I think you but we can't ignore it because I'm pretty sure it's given me you know a level of confidence to do some of the things that I've I've achieved and and so I think that that is important uh, the other thing I think is that obviously I went into um, computing, which at a stage when um, it was actually only really just becoming university degrees and things, it was very, very kind of early, early days in terms of, you know, computer science and that type of area in, in terms of a degree education. But of course, um, you know, I was one of three in 120 intake, you know, at Curtin University and one of three girls but I actually went to an all-girls school so I actually went to an all-girls school and straight into a, I guess you know pretty much an all-male uh, university degree and I have to be honest with you it it, it never I, I was never really um I didn't really notice it I know that sounds really weird obviously I noticed that you know you know it's you're working with you know all men but but I don't know if it's just you know the way that I am I'm slightly wired, which is just, I just take people as they are. Do, do, do you know I mean, people are just people. I mean, you know, so therefore these are just the people you're working with. And, and so I, ne- I never really thought much about it. It is important to think about it. So, so I think actually what, what got me to where I am is, is potentially a bit of naivety, my, my, my upbringing uh, and a few other bits and pieces along the way that, you know, genuinely is probably how you're wired. Um, but I guess looking back, I would I would think that that is that means we're not going to get that many people through to being CEOs of fintechs. So mm. that's the challenge that, you know, all said and done great. You know, I've managed to get here, but 
but it's still not that accessible. And I look back and think, well, it's still not that easy. And I think that's the thing that I would like to see change. I would like it to be easier. I would like it to be more accessible. And I, and I don't say that lightly. I say it because I really do think diversity uh, makes a difference to a business. You have to have different views and different perspectives. You have to be able to challenge each other without falling out. And, yeah. and actually, that needs different personalities. It needs different approaches. You know, you always need this, you know, collaborative group. And it's been demonstrated time and time and time again that if you can have people from different backgrounds and if you can have people from different age groups, if you can have people from different experience levels and, and gender diversity, you will have a far more powerful, you know, kind of group of people running a business. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the figures, they, they show to prove that actually it's, it's more successful. Consulting firm McKenzie has been examining diversity for several years. In 2018, they found that companies with more diverse executive boards had a 21 to 33% higher likelihood of financially performing above the national industry median. This study also revealed that gender and ethnic diversity are clearly correlated with profitability, but women and ethnic minorities remained underrepresented. I'd love to also just kind of hear a little bit about any any obstacles that you might have found on the way um, as even as you were becoming more successful as things were moving on um, did you ever have any experiences that made you feel like oh I wonder if that would have happened if I was actually male so so if I look back I have to be honest with you there are thousands you know I mean genuinely honestly thousands I probably had a little bit of a Teflon skin you know so so things that, you know, potentially would de derail, you know, some people very badly did didn't manage to derail me. And, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. But I think more, more recently, the thing that stood out to me, which I think is more important, um, because I think I won't be alone in having a thousand more stories to, to add to the chest, if you like. Yeah. I think the thing that stood out to me that is, I think, more of an issue that, that needs to be resolved is that the the more senior I have got, the more I have realised how difficult that is for most women to achieve. So it wow. is still, and I think it's down to genuinely, I really genuinely think it's down to unconscious bias. I think there's two things going on. There are more, there are more males in the workforce and, and, you know, I don't know how many people are aware, but it, it's because, you know, if you roll back to the six, well, probably 40s, 50s, 60s, I don't know how many people are aware of the marriage bar that was in place. While thinking about contemporary forms of gender inequality, it is helpful to look back at attitudes towards women working in the past to understand what's happening in present day. The marriage bar refers to the expectation that women, upon becoming married, had to give up work. It didn't apply to all occupations, but it was particularly prevalent in the civil services and other white-collar work, such as finance. In these occupations, it was organisational policy that women had to give up work when they were married. Those who wanted to keep their jobs were often considered to be selfish. It was abolished in 1946 for the Home Civil Service and in 1973 for the Foreign Service. I think that's going to take a long time to wash through is the word I'd use. That is why, you know, accountancy and all these professions are, 
you know, genuinely, you know, more male dominated because black women were ruled out from the get go. And, and I think, it, you know, although that feels like a long time ago, it's not that long ago to see the, the change that needs to take place. So I, I take some heart from that because I think, well, there is no marriage bar now. So if we roll forward, you know, a few more years, if you like, you could argue that actually that's going to even up in terms of the gender balance, you know, that, that's got to happen. So that's a good thing. Uh, but, I, but, I, but I think um, as a result, the, at the moment, at the higher levels, it makes it very tricky because there are more men than there are women. And then there is this unconscious bias that, that kicks in. And I think it slightly does make that glass ceiling or that world, it, it does make it probably quite tricky I think it's a really interesting point that you brought up there as well about the history behind it. We need to break out of these things. That was that was a while ago, but also when you think about generations, it's not that long ago. It begs the question of how are we how are we moving past this now then? Like how are we progressing forward and how are we putting some of these things into practice? Uh, which does bring me on to my next question. And I wanted to ask you about Money Hub and from your experiences and the things that you've seen, how have you been able to ensure more of a gender balance um, in Money Hub, you know, given that the tech sector is more heavily male dominated? You know, I've got to be honest, it's very difficult to achieve because we, we still don't have the equality in terms of, you know, as many female engineers as there are male engineers. So that that hampers my ability to create, you know, a, a, a genuinely gender balanced business, which obviously doesn't sit well with me. Uh, but having said that, that doesn't stop me from making sure we are very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, progressive, I guess, you know, progressive and, and proactive. That's what I'm looking for, proactive in terms of um, always holding a high bar to that, to that um, male, uh, female gender balance particularly. And I guess a few things that we've done at, at Money Hub, which uh, ha have been well, well received and also uh, has made it uh, easier and more accessible to, to achieve a gender balance of, of some kind, which is one, uh, to look at the board. So I think too many people forget that um, you have to start as you mean to go on. So I think what is it parents what does it parents say to their children do do as they say not as I do but that isn't right is it because children <laughs> will do as you do I mean yeah. so it's all very well to say that so so I think you've got to, to mean as you go on so I think you've got to look at the board and if your board isn't you know genuinely balanced in terms of what you've got there that, I think that is that is um important so so you know I have a female CFO uh, in, in our in our board role and and we have um, a marketing director who's also female and I think you've got to be very willing to look at your board makeup and genuinely have that in terms of your your starting point. And then I think the other thing you've got to do is how do you how are you going to make it accessible to women, uh, which you know genuinely is important. So that means we have a, a fully flexible um, working approach at, at Money Hub. So what I mean by that is. For women who have um, children, pick up schools and, and various other caring roles that, you know, definitely are needed in, in terms of their time. Uh, here at Money Hub, we're like, well, we don't mind when you do your work. So our view is you have seven days a week and there's 24 hours in a day. Mm. So if actually between three and six, 
that's some time that you, you genuinely need to pick children up, get them sorted after school, absolutely fine as far as we're concerned. And what that has helped is it's meant that um, we, A, appeal to, 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 to women more than what we perhaps would have, but secondly, also it means that you don't have to go part-time if you don't want to. Because I'm a quite a big advocate of, by all means, go part-time if you want to. I mean, genuinely, if that, if that works for you, no problem at all. We're very big supporters of part-time working for men and women. Unfortunately, there are many factors that contribute to the pensions gender pay gap. One that has been known to be one of the biggest is part-time work. Calculations by the People's Pensions have shown that a woman who would choose to return to full-time work aged 42 after 14 years of working part-time could be over 1,200 a year better off in retirement than a woman who stopped working at 28 and continued part-time hours throughout her career. I also believe that if we can get more men actually having more flexibility, that would enable in the home life perhaps their partners uh, to be able to do more as well. So if we can actually bring in levels of flexibility for both, I think we'll make it easier for women actually as well, which um, I think sometimes we forget. We have a form which actually asks you a number of questions which you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but it helps us as a business to support you from day one when you join us. And it's broader than actually um, the gender balance, really. It's also about um, you know, religious beliefs. It's about food allergies. It's about um, how you like to to work so some people like to work in a very quiet environment some people love a bit of noise in fact the quieter it is the less they can get done and the less they can concentrate so we've actually gone to a bit of trouble to try and understand how you like to work live and what's important to you in terms of outside commitments that you have and by doing that actually we then make a more inclusive and diverse environment but actually the we can, we can make a more collaborative environment because as you can imagine, if you end up with a lot of people that like lots of noise in the office and actually then you're not going to keep the people that don't want the noise. And yet, this is going back to that original point, businesses will be better if you can keep the person that doesn't like the noise and you can keep the person that likes the noise. Uh, so you, you need to be able to accommodate all those different things. And it is tricky. Like it doesn't, suddenly it doesn't make it easy, right? You know, as a, as a business owner and a business, um, you know, as a CEO of a business. But I think that CEOs today, this is part of our responsibility because we're responsible for delivering value to clients, employees and shareholders. So to do that, this is the extra mile I feel we've all got to, to go. And Anyway, it's been incredibly well received and it also has made it much easier for line managers and everyone to understand, you know, how to make that environment work. One thing I wanted to pick up on what you said earlier was kind of the flexibility that Money Hub gives, um, not only just to women, but also to men. Even pausing on that, I think that's a great point because we can't solve one thing without looking at the other and knowing the figures of women's pensions when they've done part-time work. Um, of course, like you said, part-time, if you want to work part-time, that's brilliant. But looking at some women who have been forced into part-time work and looking at what their pension looks like, it's, it's quite startling figures. And I think the flexibility, flexibility working in general as well, feels like so much of where we're heading. We've got hybrid working, we've got, things are becoming more flexible. And I would love with that, with this kind of uh, being open to kind of working from home, working in the office here, there, we can also bring about even more flexibility because we've been able to accommodate 
for people's lives during this time during COVID so how much more can we now accommodate in these other areas as well and and so kind of looking to the future and, and looking at what things would be like what can we be doing next what do you think we should be uh, progressing towards I think really the the the, the sooner you can start by enabling children to think they can do anything, the better. Uh, I think as parents and as grandparents and, and, and that we have a terrible unconscious bias towards children, which is very difficult and something that all of us, I guess, can, can try and dig deep and, and try and be more mindful of. Because to me, the, the, real, the real change comes from, you know, treating children as as equals, if you like, in terms of, you know, where, wherever they've come from in life and whatever they're doing, in inspiring them to be able to do what, what, what they want to do. I, I really believe we need more role models and, and I think we need to celebrate more role models. So I think we have all acknowledged how important role models are for children and for even young, young adults, if you like, aspiring in their various careers. So one of the thoughts I've had is that, and even at Money Hub, we should do this actually is genuinely a bit, a bit better, is I think we need to celebrate the early, the early career, mid-career and late career role models in the, in the various you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, kind of, I guess, holes as we have them. So I think one of the takeaways I would challenge everyone that's listening is maybe we could actually make it really easy to see when you walk into your business who are who this year is the is the early stage, mid stage, and late stage, you know, female role model in your business that actually, if I have just joined, that I can go and talk to to understand a little bit more about, you know, you know, how how the world of work works. The easiest, most accessible, most impactful thing companies could do today to try and change that slight conditioning. And that we shouldn't we shouldn't condition three year olds into anything. I mean, they should just be allowed to be whatever it is they they want to be. And and I think that's that's the bit that we need to do. But perhaps having the role models can mitigate that a little bit. Definitely, I I really love the idea of the role models. I think even just thinking back to when I was younger and the people that I would look up to, and you know, it wasn't the same role model all of my childhood. You know, maybe it changed, um, the interests I had changed, and things like that. But even just having a temporary role model or a role model for different kind of things that I aspire to has really helped me to get to where I am now. And I think that's such a great point that you make about kind of like celebrating those people within the workplace. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, at the at the height of your career or you're just starting out, it's celebrating those things and making role models at each stage. I think that would really help. And I think I would love to start seeing that happen. Um, so thank you so much for just bringing these ideas to the table and, and just even chatting with me and, and speaking with me on the podcast today. Well, look, it's been great fun and, if, and, and let's hope we make a difference. And that's all for today's podcast on the topic of women in pensions. We hope that this has inspired and motivated you for the work environment that you'd like to create in the near future.